Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Thursday, and uh, I've been asked to say a couple of talks maybe about Purim, as I mentioned the other day. I said if I can find people to sponsor it, I'll do it. Um, as it happens, well, I do have a sponsor for today's. Uh, my uh, good student, Alex Fuchsman, from Elizabeth, he's done before. Uh, so we thank Alex. He's doing this in memory of his grandma. Uh, Alex came from Russia, so now this is somebody who had to survive the 20th century in Soviet Russia. It's uh, his grandmother's name, Chasia Bas Isaac. So this is the, the mother of Alex's father, whose yardstick was the other day. Okay? And he tells me she was a tough woman. Well, you wouldn't survive in Russia if you weren't, especially in the war years. She lost her husband in World War II. Um, and she raised two kids and lived with the family. And he said she was tough. But um, let me tell you something. This is how Jews survived and brought them to this country. And probably was a Jewish influence in the family. She was a cook in Russia, he said. And he said, my father used to eat in the cafeteria during the war. I don't think Americans have any idea how hard it was to eat in Soviet Russia. I'm not talking about the Holocaust. I'm talking about ones behind the lines. In Soviet Union, food was scarce. And she was able to give her kid a little bit of meat and chicken in the kasha. <laughs> I know exactly what he's talking about. People don't realize how physically tough it was to stay alive. And especially embrace your Jewish identity at whatever level. So anyway, pay tribute to your memory. And thanks to Alex for sponsoring Shem Shavalia. Purim um, is a vast subject. I'm just going to say a few words. Uh, stir some thinking up. And that is, when you come to think about Purim, at least when I do... There are a lot of unclear points. What people don't understand usually is when you hear a statement in the Gemara and the Gadotah especially, it's not the whole truth. It's an opinion. There are other opinions as well. Um, it's not the... If it's in Chazal, you got to take it into account whatever you reconcile with. But it's not the only word in the subject. So I'm thinking of three large uh, suffix out there when it comes to the poem story. Things that are unclear in the account. From the point of view of rabbinic literature. One is... Was Esther married to Mordechai? The second one is, was Haman equal to Hitler? And the third one is, was the king a villain or a dunce? These just come to me, you know, easy. Um, the first, was Esther married to Mordechai? There's a ton of literature in the Gemara, and these guys especially like it. And I've given many hadrons and things like that on Purim. This year, it's going to be different in my house. Usually we have a bunch of people over. Obviously, during the corona, we can't have it. I regret that very much. We used to have a big porn uh, serum, pseudo. I'm talking about a party, uh, but not this year, of course. <laughs> Maybe I'll do it on Zoom. I don't know. But um, a lot of it always has to do, because the porn you do for fun. And a lot of the fun lumbus has to do precisely with trying to figure out the relationship between Mordecai and Esther. Because the Gemara presented an opinion, one opinion, that they were married. And therefore, that creates an entire halachic literature. Uh, because if she was, if Esther was married to Mordecai, then she's Eshesish. Eshesish, how can she sleep with the king? That's the Sukkot of Yavar, 
especially in Sanhedrin 74, where the Gemara said, how could Esther do it? She was for Hesio. It's a question about whether she was Karka Olam, whether she was active or passive, and things like that. It's old literature. And indeed, there's a famous stuff, which is Kasher Avadati Avadati, that the basic idea was Esther was living the entire time with the king against her will. It was a conditional, continual rape. I'll say again, a continual, continual rape. She didn't want to be there. Uh, the king was a sick dog. It didn't bother him at all. Look, he was a, a yacht. And uh, on the other hand, after the decree is issued to kill the Jews, you know, so Esther said, well, i got to win the king over. Seems i got to come on to him. Which therefore means, now I'll have to go kasher avadati avadati. Until now it was bonus, and from now on it's baratzum. I, you'll ask me the question, it's not really baratzum, because she doesn't want to do it, she just has to do it to save the Jews. That is the entire literature. The Marik and the others, you know, is that considered bonus or baratzum? Bottom line is, let's call it baratzum. Therefore, she's willing to lose uh, Mordecai because if she ends up uh, having relations with the king Baratum, even though the circumstances are not what she wants, then she can no longer mar- marry to Mordecai. And then the result is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose you as a husband. Don't people stay married. And, it, and there's a hundred ways to work with that longest. I've used 99 of them in my life. The famous one, Tosa says, why couldn't they get a divorce? They're afraid of a cold. And the Raja says, why don't you use, you know, cosmic salviatamine I'm not going to bore you with all that now. I simply want to say, it doesn't say anywhere in the McGill that they were married. It simply says they were cousins. And he raised her like a boss, like a daughter. The Pashim shot is, she was an orphan. And the uncle or the cousin, he asked her boss, Dodo, they were cousins. Uh, the, so Mordecai raised her. And Gamarnu. That's it. You understand? Now, um, which is fine, but doesn't mean they were married. And I want to make a point. That's one person's opinion, I think, or a mayor in the Gemara, that they were married. If you've ever gone through the Sugya of Yahar Val Yavar, Yavar Val Yahar, which is a famous Shah Sugya, just get the Kesav Nebuchar, I remember distinctly the Balamor, I think, or the Ron says, when you try to work out the different Gemaras, of, of how that happens. How could Queen Esther do this? When you get into the halachic nitty-gritty, you know, what about, uh, it was a Shas Hashemad, and it was a Pafrahesi, and all this kind of stuff. You end up with the famous Rabbeinu Tom, who says, Glam don't count anyway, Zir Masusim, Zir Masam, and so on and so forth. So, um, in the course of trying to resolve this all, some of the Roshonim, when they see the different Gemaras don't stim, they'll simply say like this, this Mondomer doesn't hold that they were married. I think I pretty much remember Balmore says that. Uh, or somebody like that. And when you work through the different Gemaras, it doesn't marry. In other words, not everybody holds that Mordechai and Esther were married. It's an opinion. It's an Agadato opinion. Like I said before, we don't treat it lightly. If it's in the Chazal, everything in the Chazal counts. But that doesn't mean that's the final word. There were other schools of thought that said they were not married. So that is very important to keep in mind, in general. Similarly, uh, another question that is very interesting is, what's exactly the story with Haman? Now, the Pashim shot is, Haman was identical with Hitler. That's the way usually I understand it. By that I mean, he wasn't out to convert anybody, he's out to kill him. The Hashem is called Yudim, 
Minarvi's adzokim, etc., etc. The usual way we understand that is, he's going to kill him. Heck with it. A Moloch. You know? I'll wipe him out. Um, and for that reason, that's, in classic rabbinic thought, that's the reason Purim became a holiday in the first place. I'm opening up in front of me the oldest source, besides the Megillah. That would be the Megillah's Tinus. Believe it or not, Purim is a date in the Megillah's Tinus, even though Megillah's Tinus usually deals with these half holidays. But nevertheless, if you look, take the trouble to look. In the Megillah's Tinus, which I spoke about last week about Caligula, you look in the month of Ador, it says, by Arbis of a Chamisar in the 14th and 15th of Ador, he made Puria Inun. Is that Purim? The Lola Mispid, no Hespid. And as you work it through, it's Zomra Bishuman Kar. Yomim Shanaslam Nisim Lisrol, Adi Murchaveser. It is a bit weird that it's in the Megillus Tainus, because if something's in the Tanakh itself, so it's not a Megillus Tainus day, it's a biblical holiday, or at least what we call Divri Kabbalah. You know, it's a whole long discussion. I just don't feel like going into that. What is the status exactly of porn? Is the rice, is it Rabbanan, is it a typical Rabbanan, is it something called Divri Kabbalah? If you're interested in this at all, I mean, I'm talking to the average person out there. Check out Zevin. He has very nice explanation, discussion on this sort of issue, uh, which has to do with the very interesting argument among the Achronim. What do you do if you can't hear the Megillah and do a mitzvah at the same time? You know what I mean? In other words, is Mikra Megillah Adif or is the Mitzvah Adif? And Yamara says you do, for example, Mace Mitzvah first before Megillah. And there's different opinions in the Achronim. Do you set aside, do you prefer uh, Mikra Megillah over a Daraisa or not? Uh, and assuming you don't have time to do both. Like I said, you check it out yourself. That's not where I'm going to go today. But uh, it is strange that something that's in the Tanakh should, um, what do you call it? End up in Megillah's Tanis, but there it is. Yomim Shanasim Behem Nisim Lisrael and then they quote Yishim Karcha, who says that uh, this was the first addition to the Bible. We have in the Bible the five holidays, the Shalshu Golan plus Rosh Hashanah Kippur, and that's it. And now he added Purim. Okay? Why? Because made a Kabbalah Homer. What I'm reading from Written before the Gemara. Ma'agulis Mitzrayim, Shalom Nigzug Zeolizacharim. Pharaoh didn't try to exterminate the Jews. He just tried to kill the male children by throwing them in the river. Right? Gulis Mordechai V. Esther, Shalom Nigzug Zeolizacharim, and the cave of Minarvi Azokin, Tafanashim Yomechon. But Haman tried to kill everybody, like a Hitler. Kill everybody. Allah has come, but come, how much more so? Shalom Chayom Lazosim Yom Batom Bechol Shanoshan. So we should make a holiday out of it annually. Since the Pashtun shop means like this. There's a Hitler. Haman said, Haman got peered at Mordechai because he wouldn't bow down to him. Uh, and then Haman decided, as anti-Semites do, if one Jew ticked me off, I'm going to take vengeance by punishing all the Jews. The other Jews bowed down to him. This is the um, mentality of anti-Semites, they can take revenge. If, if if Israel did anything, they can punish any Jew in the world. 
You know what I'm saying? If Mordechai ticked him off, he'd kill all the Jews. And then he decided to kill all of them. Uh, and, and you know, he'll say like this. It's Mordecai's fault. He ticked me off. Do you hear the, the logic in that? One Jew got me angry. That entitles me morally to kill everybody. Heck with that. That's how they anti The Arabs do that now. You know what I'm saying? Uh, in fact, many do that. Many anti-Semites. If one Jew or Israel does anything wrong, if the state of Israel does something wrong, for example, I'm just making this up, does that give them the right to hurt me? But never mind, it does. That's Haman. Okay. So that means that when the Jews were saved from Haman, they were saved from, a, from um, a, a genocide. And that is the way we usually understand it. However, right? However, we all know that it says, that after Mordecai triumphed and uh, Haman was overthrown and killed, right? In chapter 8. So it says that, you know, uh, the guy were happy. And in addition, and the famous Gemara is that uh, in, uh, in Megillah, I'm Rabbi Huda, Ora zu Torah, Simcha zu Yantiv, and Sosan zu Mila. Did the Jews have Ora Simcha with Sosan Ricard? So what that means is the Jews had Torah and Yom Tov and Mila. What's the other one? And Tefillin. Why these four? So Rashi says, Shegazar Aleim Haman Shloyaska Batara. I'll call Ela Gazer. That's what Rashi says. Right? So that sounds like Haman prohibited these practices. And as a result of the overthrow of Haman and killing him, the Jews were now able to resume these practices. Until now, they were not allowed to practice circumcision. Now they are. Until now, they couldn't celebrate Yontav, which is strange, but now they are. Until now, they couldn't celebrate uh, uh, learn Torah. Now they can. You know, that kind of business, right? Um, that's interesting. And Philin. Now, that doesn't sound like genocide. I mean, it's up to Hitler. He was like this. You can wear all the film you want. You can wear 10 pairs. Like a Scheinberg or something. You know, all the scissors you want. But when the time comes, I will take you out and shoot you. I'll kill you. So I'll kill you with that film on. Right? The whole approach of a genocide is they don't care about the religion. Why don't homosexuals like this? Adraba. Wear all your different clothes. Have your all different customs. That'll get me more support from the poilum to wipe you guys out because you'll be different. What's shot to Haman was geyser on Jewish practices. Um, that's weird, right? That's mashma that Haman was not out to kill everybody, but to convert them. And indeed, if you look at different sources, and I have in mind specifically my favorite book on Purim, but it's a lot rather dense, that's the Manos HaLevi from the Chododi, Alkabez. It's a famous work, often quoted, very dense, the, uh, you know, the Shlomo Leib Alkabetz in the 1500s, the story is that he was a, um, let's say a Kolel guy. It's Friday, of course. And at that time, the shtick was to buy your shver, your your father-in-law, a fancy shalchmonis. After all, he's supporting you. Uh, <laughs> now you could be like the modern son-in-law. 
They'll buy a big shalachmonis, but they'll use your credit card. <laughs> you know, they're generous at your expense. But whatever the case is, uh, and uh, he couldn't afford it. This is how the story goes. So instead, he composed a commentary on Megillah, in which he did like an encyclopedia of Mepharshim. That's what it is. And he gave the book to his father-in-law. And he said, this is Manos Halevi. This is Shalchmonis from Mishlom Halevi Alkabet. Obviously, if you've ever seen the book, it, the guy couldn't draw it up one, two, three. But he maybe had some early version of it and they later he added to it before he published it. But it's Kabbalah. I love the Manos Halevi. Because those are all nooks and crannies. But it's very hard to read. Because it's very dense. However, now in the last 10, 20 years, whatever, two Satmar guys came and they opened, made, made an open book. If you get their edition of it, I forget what it's called. I have it in front of me. In Pirushim Chatsi Rio and Briche Sharecho. They're fantastic. One's like a Kahati. The other one's even better than that. And um, it's got n- nice notes. If you're interested and you're stuck at home with the corona, you have nothing better to do. And even if you do, you know, and you want you want something to sink your teeth into, uh, get this edition of the Manosali, which is out. And uh, anyway, make a long story short, he quotes here, um, what does it mean, Lahashmid al-Aruglabeg? Now again, it's very dense, he brings a lot of different a lot of different sources, many of which we've never heard of before and we only know from his book. Including, it seems to me, a lot of Sephardi guys, rabbis and stuff, from the late 1400s and early 1500s, because he wrote this in the early 1500s. And um, I believe he's a schwager with the Cordovero, with the Ramak, in Sfas. Whatever the case is, um, here. What does it mean? Haman said, "Lahashmid laaruglabed is called a yudim." To you and I, would translate like this: "Lahashmid laabed laarug." All the three euphemisms for the same thing: to kill, murder, and destroy. Tashmid means to kill him. No, maybe it means to do shmad. Get it, lahashmid. And he he's quoting Rabbi Yehuda ben Shoshan, who, as best as I can tell was um, in the late 14, early 1500s, at the time of the uh, the Gerush of Sfarad. And he obviously wrote this um, commentary on the Megillah. I think in recent years I may have seen it. Um, maybe somebody put it out. But until now, it hasn't been put out, to my knowledge. And he's arguing with a popular peerish, which means Haman wanted to convert everybody, not kill him. I'll read you this passage. Hina Yosef, the Hafli Pelo, the Divrei Yehudi ben Shoshan, this is the Manos Levi talking, Sheikhsha, Ludabar, Ludabar, Echem, Mepharsham, Pirsh, and the Ibn Shoshan was disagreeing with the with the popular commentary before him, Asher Pirsh, Tevis Lahashmid, Lahaviram, Al Das, that what Haman wanted to do was convert them to other religion. And that was Eshaz Hashemad, okay? Which has many implications because depending on how you get back in that sugi, be hard while Yabra, Usually, usually they'll they'll talk about Haman and say it's a shas hashmad because Haman was a nevad. But here it's a different thing altogether. And what it's saying is Haman simply wanted to uh, kill the Jewish religion, which, by the way, has its own nice shot because, like this, he didn't want to just punish Mordechai; he wanted to to exquisitely torture Mordechai. How would you exquisitely torture Mordechai? Mordechai being the tzaddik that he was, if he would burn him at the stake, Mordechai would be happy. You know what I mean? In other words, Listen, nobody wants to die. I'm just saying, that wouldn't do it. 
But if Haman could get the Jewish people to drop keeping Shabbos, that would drive Mordechai nuts. So from a Haman perspective, from sadism perspective, it's a very clever, fiendishly clever, right? I'll get the Jews to drop wearing tefillin, drop wearing uh, uh, mitzvahs. But anyway, so he says, In other words, uh, uh, what do you call To get him to adopt the Persian uh, religion. If they'll agree, and Mordechai uh, bows down, then they'll let him live. Notice that's the way Haman put out the decree. And if they won't agree, then Haman will be able to claim it was political crime. The king is ordered they should adopt the the, the 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 Persian religion. They aren't doing it. They're being over on mitzvahs amelach, and um, and what do you call it? They'll kill him on that basis. As the author says, and he's writing this early 1500s, not long after the expulsion from Spain in 1492, as has happened so often in our Gullis that we found ourselves in a situation, we Jews, where the government ordered the Jews to, to convert the religion, and if not, they get punished. He's talking about Spain, obviously. Similar situations, right? Now, Rehubinim and Shoshan says, I don't hold from this. I hold that it means that he wanted to exterminate them, like Hitler. So all I'm trying to point out to you is that there's different schools of thought who exactly Haman was. And it's a big difference, at least to my mind, uh, whether he was a Hitler or not. The Pashup shot is the Kalvachomer that I read you from in the uh, source, in the Eagles Tinus, says, if power only wanted to kill these, I'm going to kill all that. So that sounds like it was an extermination. You and I usually hear Vorks that go like this Hanukkah is halibo dog. Because Hanukkah, they were out to get our Neshama. But Purim is Achila Ashtio, because I'm going to kill the goof. Well, not according to this opinion. Lahashmi would mean he went to make a shmad. And the Gemara sounds like that, does it not? Because what does it mean? Haman was goes there, Haman prohibited wearing of tefillin, um, bris milah, learning Torah. That's, that sounds like a religious persecution, not a physical persecution. You get it? I'll say it again. As far as Hitler was concerned, you can wear ten yarmulkes, but we're going to take you out and kill you, or put in a gas chamber and kill you. The acre is to kill you. I don't care what you did until now. It's a racial thing. You know, we want to exterminate you. And he did. And he did. Didn't make a difference to the Nazis when they were sending out these Einsatz commandos in second half of 1941 and shooting a million and a half Jews in six months. I repeat, 1.5 million Jews shot in six months. If they came to a town in Lithuania, for example, where nobody's from, they march them all out wearing no yarmulke and just shoot them. Or if they go to Tells and everybody's real from, they shoot them anyway. Right? So have these two different opinions at home. Now, what's really cute is always the approach. It, one of my two favorite books on, on Purim is what I just told you, the Manosa Levy, and the other one is the Jonas Abishitz, mainly the Iris Tavash. Uh, he's fantastic. If you like that sort of approach, I do. What can I tell you? That's my Mishigas. I'm a fan of Jonas Abishitz, particularly in Purim time. And many, many years ago, I found in the yeshiva, when I was younger, that someone had put out a... Um, What's the right word? 
a praise, a condensation, a collection, let's say, of all the stuff on the Megillah. And I used to have a yeshiva, and then, uh, and I used to borrow it every year. Um, but not for a long, long time. And then a number of years ago, I saw in a bookstore, it's called Yeshua Gedola. It was republished, actually in, in block print. And uh, that's what I have now. And basically, it collects for the whole Yaris Devash, let's say. Maybe some other writings. Uh, and he ranges it according to the Pusik. It's not a fat safer. Anyway, here's my point. Listen to this. Because he's always ingenious. As we all know, that uh, So Rabbi explanation goes like this. And I'll tell you where he's coming from. The third question I raise. Is the king a villain or a dunce? Um, this is very interesting. I may have talked about this before in the past. You know, you and I, when we see the story of Purim, so we're coming after the Holocaust. And so when we see Haman and Ahasuerus talking, they're talking about killing the Jews. Yesh no'am echad, mefuzerim for be'amim, betasayim shonaz mikolam. There's certain strange people out there different than the others. Let's wipe him out. And the king says, what the heck? Heck, the king's a real mumser. And he says, you don't even have to pay me. This one's on the house. You're doing me a favor. Like the Umar said, the charitz and the tail. You're doing me a favor. So in other words, they never used the words, kill the Jews. Jesus says, no and so forth. But everybody knew what's happening. Aye, why don't they use the words? It's what we call in the 20th century the banality of evil. It's hard to find a piece of paper where Hitler said, go kill six million Jews. They used other terms. They used bureaucratic uh, uh, jargon. Let's evacuate. I'm serious. They used evacuation, elimination, cleaning up, and so on and so forth. They never say they killed the Jews. They say the area is free of Jews. You'd run. And that's because a certain type of evil... Um, they use banalities. They use um, circumlocutions and euphemisms. So you and I, when we look at this, we immediately say, oh, that's Yohaman uh, Ahasuerus. Matter of fact, the Gemara goes like that. The Ahasuerus of the Talmud is a villain. Now, when I was a little kid, you used to have porn parties and things in the day schools, and the Talmud tours. Everybody wanted to be Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus was a was a character in Porn Parade. I was not looked upon as a villain. I want a queen, a nice new queen, to have a help me on my throne. I forget the songs. But Akashara's a, you know, look, I mean, I want to tell you something. How you going to tell elementary school, you know, the Esther was Karka Olam. I mean, you know, I get that. <laughs> but still, Akashara looked like a, a nice character. After all, in the end, he saved the Jews. But in the Gemara's opinion, he was a mamzer. And even when, and Queen Esther even at one point says, each Tsarbo Yev, she wanted to point to the king. But an angel prevented her from saying what she really wanted. You can read it like that. Or, alternatively, you can say, it never says kill the Jews. And when the king later on said, like this, me who's Ev, who? He meant it. Not that he's a phony. He meant it. That is the approach of many. So it's a machlokas and a mafarshim. We'll never know. 
you have different approaches. And Yonasan Ipshitz himself, although he knows the Gemara, it's a very interesting for, to me from a historicist perspective. He always go, goes with the idea the king would never have meant to kill all his youth. Because, I think, I think, for many commentators, they couldn't understand that. Throughout the Middle Ages and afterwards, wherever the Jews were, they were a plus for the economy. And they were never wiped out. At the most, they were expelled. Well, it was no longer economically benefit from them. Now, it's true that Haman says that nobody gets any economic benefit from the Jews. But it's hard for the Arizona to accept that. The Jews were all over the place helping the economy. And so, what's going on? Now, listen to this. B'darshu chazal zu Torah, this Eibushetz, that Haman, when he approached the king the first time, he said the Jews are different, different rules, any religion than anybody else. Ratzam meaning, The Jewish religion is so constituted that they cannot keep the king's religion as long as they practice the Jewish religion. Now this is certainly true. The Persian religion involves all kind of Worships, Jews can't do it. So therefore, means destroy their religious practices, convert them. Okay, listen closely. Which the ancients means destroy their religious practices which are different than anyone else. And so institute a religious persecution to change the Jewish religion. Eliminate it. That sounded reasonable, so the king agreed. And interpretation, once he got the king to sign on that, he interpreted, because the king gave him his ring, he interpreted that not as a religious persecution, but as an extermination order. So notice, he said, which in the context of the conversation, meant get rid of their religion practices. Tefillin, Torah, Milo, etc. But once he got the king to sign Yikosev Labdom, then on the Pasheged, on the regulations, once he sent out to the bureaucracy what it means, he said the king wants him dead. <laughs> right? King wants him dead. And according to the other that is why the king later killed Haman, because he said, You know, Queen Esther said, We're going to be killed. And the king said, I never gave permission to that. I, gave him, I did give permission to suppress the Jewish religion. I never said to kill the Jews. And she said, well, he ran with the ball you gave him. And therefore the king killed him. Now, like I said before, that is a way, a very ingenious way, of reading the story. In which case, the king comes out looking good to some degree. Right? To some degree. Other Mepharshim try to whitewash the king even more, and they'll say, He said, I thought he was talking about the Estonians. 
the gypsies, the Ukrainians. Who knows? Well, he said, I never met the Jews. Now, again, because I don't believe that, but many Mepharshim do. Who's right? You can't say something like this is right. I'm sharing with you a basic aspect, at least to my mind, which is all I can ever share, of porn. We have a lot of different schools of thought over there with very different versions of the story. Our job today, sitting here in 2021, to my mind, is to familiarize ourselves with all the different schools of thought and see how they line up together. And you can't say which one's right. All I can say is, you know, in this year, this one sounds better to me. Hear what I just said? It sounds better to me. That's an honest statement. If you tell me what sounds better, Nachashverosh was a dunce or Nachashverosh was a villain, I'll tell you, me, myself, and I, sitting over here, especially after Hitler, sounds to me more like the Gemara's right, he was a villain. But, but, you know, I could totally hear uh, somebody who was a Democrat and hated Trump and looks at Trump like Achashverosh, but he has a Jewish daughter, daughter-in-law, he can say he's a dunce. He's a dunce. I wouldn't agree with that, but I could totally hear somebody else how that way. You can't say one's right, one's wrong. We put out the menu of opinions in Chazal. Now, it's not easy for everybody to know this. Most people, to the degree they know anything, they just read the Gemara and Begyo. That's good. And, you know, uh, the Gemara in the end of the first parak have four or five pages straight of a Gaza. That's okay. If you want to know more opinions, you do the Medrashrab aside that. Maybe I'll talk about it another time. Medrashrab adds a lot more information. If you want more besides that, you have the four famous Midrashim, just so we go with Medj Abukir and this, that, and the other. You know, that they add other opinions. If you want to save yourself all the trouble, get the Torah Shlema, which is out of Miguel's Esther. He gives you all the uh, Chazals, all the Chazals that are out there. Then you'll see them side by side, line them up. And you'll see the story is complex in the sense when we're trying to recover what exactly happened, it's not clear. They weren't married, they weren't married. It's not clear. Um, Haman was trying to kill everybody. It's not clear. Achashverosh was there on the killing or not. It's not clear. That's not bad. It gives you room to operate and uh, prepare for Purim because when you think through the different possibilities, you see which ones resonate with me more and why do they? That's called self-analytical. That's a sign of, of intellectuality. It's self-analytical. So which is your Achashverosh this year? Which is your Haman this year? And also, which is your Esther this year? With that, I uh, intriguing three points. I leave you and uh, for this week. Once again, I thank Alex Fuchsman and family and Elizabeth. And uh, maybe we'll return to other aspects of porn next week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.